When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangefield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning. You can follow us on Facebook on our Real Adventures Facebook page to join in the conversation. Huge show of Real Adventures this morning and plenty happening around the country. Redmond, good morning to you. Good morning, Patrick. I'm uh, pretty in a good mood today. It's had a good week on the fish. Yeah, funny that. It's <laughs> the... Uh, Yellowtail kingfish come up, and you're just very, very happy with yourself. Um, before we get to it, though, before we get too excited, because we are going to focus on on this a fair bit throughout this show. Obviously, people get very excited when it comes to all things kingfish, so we've got you covered on Real Adventures this morning. Uh, the annual All-Victorian Game Fishing Tournament, Redmond, a 300-kilo mako shark. Huge. Caught on 24-kilo line. It was the 35th year that they've done this. Uh, not done Makos, but the 35th year of the competition, and that there is taken out. I think it's potentially a world record shark, Pat. That is a monster Mako shark, 300 kilo. Now, on last week's show, and you can listen to any of our shows on the podcast on iTunes, so make sure you jump on your phone and do that. But basically, we spoke about Makos last week, where to find big ones, because because of people have been messaging me, asking me, where can I get a decent fish, but I um, around the country because, well, not around the country, more probably Victoria because around the Port Phillip Bay heads, we're not that lucky with depth of water and, I guess, bait concentrations like the shelf holds and things like that. Uh, where this one's come just, uh, Port Welshpool has come from and it's just come down the coast, which isn't too far away of a drive. So if you are in Melbourne, and instead of coming to Bass Strait, where, as in outside the heads where yep. I am, and targeting where most people come, head down to the places like Porsche Welshpool, even further down to Gippsland, Marlow, and also to Portland, Port Ferry. There's some seriously big sharks. There was another one come out of Portland this week. It was about 130 kilo. It was 140 last week. But in saying that, I did make a bit of a fool about myself. There was a big one caught out of Western Port last week, or end of the end of, no, start of this week. It ended up going 144 kilo, and that was the biggest. So they're all about 140 odd kilo, 144 kilo. Funny enough, but they um that's a, that's a massive fish for our area, like as biggest I've seen in ages. Absolutely. So Ron Kenmar and the team board make it count capturing the beast at 300 kilos. Not sure about keeping it, but um, you knew I was going to say that at some point. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was going to ask you, what are your thoughts on keeping it? Because there's a reason they've kept it. 
Yeah, you, I understand. It's it. not necessarily the eating, though. Well, it's not because you're not going to eat a 300 kilo mako shark. Well, I'll have to ask them. Ask them. Well, I highly doubt it with the amount. Of, like, seriously, you'd, you'd, have, I've you'd have more mercury in you than a thermometer <laughs> after eating that thing. Um, <laughs> Trapman, Bermagui. Yes. Someone we love to follow. Fair bit happening out of Pambula River this week, Remen. Oh, what doesn't happen in the Pambula River in the past few years? I think we've seen. Can you talk us through this? Because <laughs> this is quite extraordinary. Marlin. We had, I think it was a striped marlin, was, yep. which was in the lake or estuary, I guess you could call it. I'm pretty sure it's a lake, a pretty big lake system it turns out to be, but this is up the coastal end more. Uh, and then a giant bluefin tuna was in there too. And then this week, just a lazy, depth, um, extremely deep swimming fish, a broadbill swordfish, yep. was caught in the Pambula River. Free swimming, so it was just, obviously sick. Yeah, quite sick. So I think in the end it died from memory. Yep. I don't think it lived. Uh, but that was pretty cool to see. And I reckon it was probably around that sort of 30, 30 plus kilo mark. So Beautiful looking fish. Peter Ha was the, the guy that had uh, caught it. Quite extraordinary. Caught it or grabbed it or... Is that one of the, Do you claim that as a capture? Like last week's chat? Well, it's a bit like the, bar- <laughs> the 60 pound barrel. Was it 60 pound or 60 kilo 60, last yeah, week? Yeah, it was a stonker. Oh, I claim it as a capture. Well, you've caught it. I would have had, rod- had a roddy. <laughs> Bare hand, whatever. Um, Redmond, we were talking um, off air around uh, the longest living fish after doing a little bit of research this week. Um, scientists have come out and discovered a 512-year-old species of Greenland shark, which is one of the slowest-growing species in the world, but 512 years, meaning it was around in the 1500s. Bloody extraordinary. What was it called again? Or do you know the name of it? It's a Greenland shark. Greenland shark. So it's a shark, is it? It's a shark, and yeah. they don't reach um, maturity until they're over 150 years old. So it's um, amazing to think of just how old... like me, I'm still pretty mature. I don't think I'll ever reach maturity either. (laughs) I'm pretty mature. Just how old it is, but just how they actually know that that's how old it is. How how do they... Did it come from the ear bone? Like, um, because that's how they... Marine biologists, they measure the amount of radiocarbon in the eye lenses of the shark. That's how they find out it's... It's age, so don't say that as if you knew that. Like you've, re- like I, I knew they did that. Oh, well, I've, I've, I've prepared <laughs> early in the show, so I've written some information down. Now we need to get into your week in fishing. Well, you I just, s- I just want to mention one other thing. Oh, sorry, Go on. I just, it's Murray cod season. Yes, it is. There's some seriously big cod getting caught Huge at the moment, cod. and there was one that was caught in the Darling River, which ended up going 120 centimeters. And no, Patrick, it wasn't caught on cheese. <laughs> it was caught on a hard-boiled egg. It's the most like the fishing. I just it's now. I'm I'm not going to speak for this bloke who caught it, but what I'm going to say is I sp- I fished with a freshwater fisherman as at the end of last week, and he lives up in Shepparton. Yep. And he has uh, poor guy. He has. Uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> I shouldn't say oh, he's too far from Kingfish. That's a beautiful spot, Shepparton. That he has. Um, when you're leaving. It. <laughs> We're going to get sacked again, Pat. We, uh, we had a discussion with him about it, and he said the reason that he started using marshmallows, and I say marshmallows, he catches his cod on marshmallows, the white ones, because they've cleaned so many Murray cod that have had golf, golf balls, balls in them. Yes, yeah. I've heard about would that. You, would you think that maybe this fellow's tried to do the same thing? Like a hard-boiled egg? Like, how do you put a hook through a hard-boiled egg? I'm not sure. Have you bridle it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. A live ball, a live ball of egg. Oh, I'm not quite sure. It's it doesn't make sense to me. I, it's almost like fishing for trout with 
bait. Like it just doesn't feel right. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you, if you get a fish from you want to surface. Like I'm, I understand you get bigger. Rock fish up with, with your it. jeep with fly fishing and your Range Rover. <laughs> <laughs> now your week in fishing, uh, people, awesome week. People want to hear about yellowtail kingfish. Well, um, we've seen them right up and down the eastern seaboard out of Sydney at the moment. Huge captures, whether it be rat kings up the Parramatta River or closer to the mouth of the Sydney Harbour, they're starting to see some really big ones now. But finally, we're starting to see some in Victorian waters. Yeah, we are. And I'll, I'm going to touch base on that. I'm just going to talk just quickly on the whiting. The whiting were very hard on that moon pat last week, extremely hard. But this is what I'm trying to say. I understand your tides. When I say hard, like you, they were hard. Like I'm get, I was getting six or eight fish in a session. Normally, I get that in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, once the tides kicked, I couldn't even I couldn't even fish deeper water because how good the weather was. It cleared up so quick, and then we couldn't even fish the deep water. I could see the bottom crystal clear in twelve plus meters. So the whiting shut down, but they've they will come good again once the tides picked you up during the week that just went by. So they've come good again. The uh, calamari. Now we spoke last week again about water temps where we think it's at with species of fish. Snapper season is it done yet? The squid are still laying their eggs in some seriously good numbers. Now, they do lay this time of year, but usually you hit the odd patch. There's patches right around Queenscliff. Now, I'll stick to what I was saying, that I think the water temp is out. Like, it's it's well un- it's well under. Uh, I think I only had 17 down the bottom end of the heads, where this time last year was nearly 20. Yep. Uh, and then the salmon. So do you think we'll get it back-ended or not really? Yeah, I reckon we will. Yeah, I reckon yep. it's going to... We're getting some hot weather now, so yep. some couple of hot days during the week that just went by. I think Monday was 30-odd, and then Wednesday was 30-odd. So it was... It was perfect. We had main training both those days. <laughs> like nearly melted. But, but basically, what I, what, I, what I mean by it is we need to get rid of those cold days that we had last week. We got we had a few cold days, 18, 19s, once they go, which is usually February, March is our hottest, isn't it, really? End of yep. Jan, Feb, start of March. What about what, the currents? How much action do they play? I don't in, reckon in it, it. It does in winter, definitely, but not so much in summer. I don't think. I think a lot of it's sun. There are current. There are currents that come down, but I don't think they play as much of a role on the your surface temperature or your temperature as such in the water. Uh, your salmon have rocked up in some big numbers again. So back of the Port Phillip Bay heads. I read during the paper in the Addy during the week they announced plague proportions of salmon in the rip. Don't think that's a smart idea because now 50,000 boats are going to put themselves in the rip to catch salmon. I'm telling you, they're <laughs> not down the coast at the moment. They're not down there? They're a well, prick of a thing well, to try and chase for. Well, they're at the back of Portsea as well and Sorrento. There was a big schools throughout there and also they're pushing in and out with the tides around the heads. But the one that you all want to hear about is the kingfish. I had an awesome week on the kingfish. I had a couple of days of some seriously quality fish. Now, uh, on the Monday... We collected our baits. Um, I've got a little tip coming up. We'll talk about that. But And talking about being ready again, if, if you do want to understand what rods I use and how we use them, last week's review, check it out again. Like I said on the podcast, you can listen to what I said about your gear. Today, we're going to talk a bit more about the fishing side of it rather than the gear. So we headed out. We got our bait. Now, I went and tried to get some squid off those eggs first. I know I said that they were there, but the ebb tide was pushing too hard, outgoing tide. I couldn't get my squid. What's your is is squid your number one no. first to get? No, because no, not the only reason I was doing that was more honestly to run fresh strips. Gotcha. I, w- I ended up using frozen ones, which I didn't end up using out. I didn't. Sorry, I end up having a spread of frozen ones out, which I didn't get fish on in the end. I got them on the liveies. But the salmon, uh, sorry, the squid, I just struggled to get. I ended up getting them on the way back in on the slack water, but. Basically, we shot we shot out the heads and then we anchored up um, on a little reef there. And the good news is there's a lot of live bait. It's spread out right across 
the game, like, like right across the coast. The whole coast is full of slimy mackerel. The problem is some of them are bigger than your biceps, Patrick. They're massive. They're like a one point, one point eight kilo. So I reckon some of them, like close to two, like they're massive. Like I'm not exaggerating really? in the slightest. So that size is no good. Uh, no. Nah. Nah. And do you know why I say that is because back to when I was catching fish on these slimies, I had a couple of bigger ones that were down there and they were killing it, yep. but they just weren't eating it. Yep. And these fish were between sort of a couple of smaller ones, maybe that four to six kilo, but most of the fish were eight to 12 kilo. So they were really quality fish. And you got it's a great f- eating size, that isn't it? Oh, you, and people really like eating them, and we, we bled them straight away as quick as we can. Obviously, it's really important when you target kingfish to keep catching them while you're catching them. Yep. Don't just go off Bring and get one photos on and yep. things because I know you want to look after your catch, but it's very hard. You've got to bleed them quite quickly. So, what I do is I get the boys back in the water and I sort of look after the, 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 the maintenance of the fish, I guess you could say. So I'm yep. bleeding it, I'm cutting the throat of the fish, I'm pushing the blood out of it, I'm then running the deck hose out of it and then popping it straight into, my, into the mad fish bag yep. on ice. First thing I do. Uh, like Whilst I said, everyone else has got... Fish on, hopefully. Yep. yep. <laughs> Chaos. Whether, whether it be uh, livey, squid strips well, or jigging. In this instance, it was uh, live slimies. I didn't get any on squid strips. In saying that, I only had them out for probably the first 10 minutes of trying to find the fish. Once I marked them up, I had them out, but the liveys went. Squid strips come in. I just used liveys. Tried to get them on jigs. The ones we did get on the jigs were the smaller fish. They were only little. Uh, Obviously, the the rigs that you can using you can find on Salt Guide, yep. but the name of the rigs... Yeah, it's just a basic, I think they call it the Western Port uh, running rig. So you've got this slider. That's all I'm using through there. So you slider. I was running a nice 12-ounce sinker. The reason you have 12 heavy sinkers is you want to control... I want to control the slimy. I don't want the slimy to control me. So I don't want to have the slimy swimming around disco and into each... <laughs> like a, a party going around tangling each other. I want to control it where they are, but I also want to restrict it so the kingfish don't have to work as hard. So if I'm running a four-ounce sinker, which I end up running one of those, and it just didn't work, the, the slimy was coming up to the top to get away from the kingfish. So I'm making it a little bit harder for the slimy, so I'm pinning it down. It's still working hard, but it, it's the kingfish doesn't have to bust to the race to the, towards the surface to get the fish. I'm putting it in front of them, and they are smashing it. There was boats out there that really struggled around us, and this will be in a bit, a bit more information in my tip. But they were struggling; they weren't prepared properly. So, at the end of the at the end of the show, we've got the Reds tip coming up. So, stay tuned for that because I'm going to talk to you about being ready. The jigs, like I said, smaller fish, Pat. They were much smaller fish. That three to sort of uh, three to six kilo, possibly. Um, not even probably three to four kilo was probably the biggest we caught on the jigs. Nearly undersized some of them. Uh, so they were they were basically. We didn't re- go. We didn't resort to that. Uh, we, so the best bang for buck you're getting from with a sl- with on, but on the day then on the Wednesday it wasn't. I got the bigger fish on the jigs. Yep. And I got good fish on the slimies, but I, they were hitting the jigs. They must have been more fired up, and they were hitting the jigs better. Slimies worked a treat, but to get them to bite, the jigs is what got them to bite. It wasn't the other way. It was. The, it was like it was the opposite. So that's what I'm trying to say with these kingfish. The pricks are fish. They are hard to catch. But if you can get things going a little bit and work out your routine and be prepared, that's the key. Spend the night before rigging up and you're going to catch uh, plenty more fish. We're going to go to a break. This is Real Adventures. After the break, we're going to continue talking all things kingfish. And Aaron's got a little update with the bushfire appeal. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. 
It's time for All Aboard. Thanks to Dometic CIB 26 Cooler Bag. Keep food and drinks cool on your adventure. Our special guest this morning is Jim Credlin from JC's Bait and Tackle. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, fellas. How are you? We're going not too bad, Jim. And I've seen some stonking Murray Cod being caught. Take me, just quickly, before yep. you let you take us away, 120 centimetre out of the Darling River caught on a hard-boiled egg. Is it true? That wouldn't surprise me, mate. I've heard them caught on Vim um, Sims that have been <laughs> marinating in um, soy sauce a lot before on houseboats, chop bones, cherry tomatoes, anything diversely floats, mate. Start on the crack out. <laughs> How's the fishing been, Jim? Been excellent, mate. Um, last week was a bit hit and miss with the vomit uh, bouncing around like a yo-yo. But um, here in the Murray, especially um, between the junction of the Walker, the Murray, the Murray and, and uh, the Murray, right through to Barham, two young kids got their first meter cod. One was fishing off the bank at the local caravan park here, the Big Four caravan park at 10 o'clock at night with a body grub. Yep. Hit a body sock, snabbled his uh, meter cod, and then another young bloke was fishing with his dad on Saturday, just up from the caravan park here in town, and he got a 102 centimetre. And look, um, so the family were fishing off a sandbar at Barham. Uh, last weekend, a weekend before, they were fishing on the, off a sandbar that dropped off into a deep hole. They finished up with a 122, a 90, and an 84. <sighs> They're big fish. The yeah. 122 was taken on a uh, on a yabby. Uh, the 90 was on a yabby also, and the 84 was caught on a dead body moth that uh, she found on uh, just laying on the ground. <laughs> so these cod aren't that fussy by the sounds of it. Eating dim sims, moths, <laughs> cheese. Cheese. Um, yeah, chicken, uh, shit. <laughs> yeah, whatever floats on top, or even in, when we put cheese and chicken in, yeah, mate, they're uh, they're not fussy at all. Well, let's be a bit more realistic now. As in, yep. as in, how would you specifically go and target one? So, what what would you do if you wanted your best chance catching a fish and not just chucking a dim sim in the water? How would you be fishing? Yeah. I'd grab hold of muddy grubs. I mean, that, that, that is the pick of, uh, of, of cod food. You're pretty well sort of guaranteed that you'll get a, pretty well guaranteed to get it, you'll get a cod. A lot of guys use body socks, which is like a uh, mesh that goes over the sock. You tie a knot either end. That stops the brim sucking the uh, sucking the goodness out of the grub. Next, probably uh, so the, the good size yabbies. Yep. You know, three or four inch, five, six inch yabbies. A lot of guys put two yabbies on on the same hook, so, so they fight. So uh, that, that causes vibration in the water, uh, which, which uh, generally attracts the attracts the fish. And then, of course, lures. I mean, there's been a few caught on lures. Most of the little fishermen don't get up here till after the school holidays. Yep. Till all the yeah, till they all go back. So generally, is generally majority of the fish are caught on bait. Yep. And then you'll start, yeah, and then you'll start hearing of um, you know the, the the little guys come up. They'll be marched right through to the end of the season. So. Is that is that to do with the boat traffic, Jim? That there's just too much boat traffic yeah. on water, or yeah, like at Brooks Lane uh, one weekend there were 17 boats. So. <laughs> If you're trying to troll um, up through those or, uh, or even just sort of um, going along cast with a with, with uh, electric motor, it's just, uh, it's just sort of too much. You know, then you've got a few um, few guys on jet skis and stuff like that. So, um, Is there any other species, any yellow belly or anything being caught? Look, the yellows have been pretty quiet the last month or so. Um, mate of mine got a 50 centimetre yellow 
a couple of weeks ago. I've heard of a couple of others around a 49. They seem to be getting more yellows up around uh, Boundary Bend, uh, Weeman, that area, yep. where the water doesn't sort of flow as fast as what it does here. I mean, the yellows are here. It's just that they're just not biting them. There's obviously a stack of bait in there. So, but one, one couple of double tribulates went out the weekend. They got 20 cod in two days. Yep. They're only six legal, but only one carp. Yeah, okay. So, do you reckon that is that to do with the um, uh, the removal of the carp? Do you think electro fishing? Yeah, the other the other fish are chewing on him, you know, obviously. So um, another other guy came in today. He was going cook. He couldn't catch a carp to put in his uh, put in his yummy net. So, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's a good sign. Uh, yeah, if I can't catch a carp. So, well, everything you've mentioned today, from the lures right through the yabbies, body grubs, can they get them at the, your tackle store, Jim? I certainly are. I'm out of body grubs until next week, but the rest of it are uh, lures, uh, spinnerbaits, scrub worms, night crawlers, and about. Heaps of Gabby, so um, and I get them seven days a week. Beautiful work. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures, Jim. No worries, fellas. Jim Credlin from JC's Bait and Tackle. That was all aboard for Dometic. Dometic Mobile Living made easy. It's now time for Red's review, and Patrick, I have done well and truly enough talking today, so I'm going to pass Red's review. Onto yourself, and you've actually got a pretty good one today. You've done a bit of homework. Well, I have because it's been relevant for me in the past when I had my <laughs> 650 and didn't use it a huge amount. We're talking about trailer brake management this morning, uh, and any boat obviously over two tonnes needs to have a brake trailer, but the maintenance when it comes to a brake trailer is a little more than just turning it on and plugging it into the car every time you go out and travel. So I think we've all at different stages travelled uh, without the brakes working when we should have. But yep. maintaining these systems um, is is normally pretty easy. And I think one of the biggest things that, that people need to be aware of is just the hydraulic fluid that should be flushed every um, two years um, as it does absorb moisture. And obviously, um, in the environments that we're fishing and launching in Redmond, we're taking it in, whether it be salt water, fresh water, yep. it does leave it exposed to moisture. So that simply is one of the, the simplest tips you can have just to flush that um, you know, at least every two years. Um, the other thing, uh, the brake pads, you need to be periodically checked because this is what really cost me. I had to have mine replaced because mm. I hadn't used the, the boat as much as I should have and it basically sat in the front lawn, which was opposite the water, and then it was just totally eaten away by the salt water. So um, that's another thing to um, to be aware of. The other thing is just make sure um, that your breakaway system is actually functioning um, properly, and this is obviously important if the car if the car was ever to detach uh, yep. with the boat trailer itself. Just to, I'll explain the breakaway a little bit. What it is basically, it's a, a wire that runs from your your braking system that you've been talking about, your electronic braking system, which then attaches to the car. And I attach mine. I don't know if you do this. I attach mine via the D shackle Same. through to the car. Yep. And what happens, like you said, if you do, if you for example, if you don't put your uh, your latch down, your hitch down properly on the trailer, it does fall. It engages and it will assist you um, in for whatever it, what it, what it does, what it's there to do. So that's just sorry, but that's just there for you know, wants to know what the breakaway is. Yeah. So quite simply, when it comes to a breakaway um, checklist, it's making sure the the connector to the tow vehicle for one, you know, works properly. Rocking the boat trailer back and forth is another really good way to see if the actual trailer is working in itself. Um, obviously, flushing the system regularly, and it's. It's probably as important as literally you could write it on your, your Rego sticker or on your motorbook just to keep an eye on 
you know, when was the last time that you yep. actually flushed your hydraulic fluid? So it's as simple as that because uh, unlike me, it cost me, I think it was 1500 bucks to have everything oh, did it? was totally <laughs> replaced. It was a lot more than it should have been had I actually, um, you know, kept up to the actual trailer brake maintenance in itself. Luckily, the boat that I'm using at the moment doesn't actually have it. <laughs> the little so, one. No, um, that's good. That's yep. a, you've actually done pretty well there, Patrick. No, thank you. All right, plenty more Real Adventures after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Before we get to the social club, off the back of the break, we were talking kingfish, uh, Redmond. When it comes to locations for targeting these, uh, most fishing out of Port Phillip Bay will just go straight to the hedge. But you've said it often before, don't just follow the other boats yep. and where they're fishing. The structures that you need to look for right around our eastern seaboard, um, whether it be you know out of Cape Conran, whether it be out of Port Phillip Bay, Barwon Heads, or further down the coast off Lawn, what are we looking for when we actually head out fishing for a day? Are we looking reef structure? How far? The depths that we're looking for? Kingfish are the most curious fish in the ocean, I'm going to say. They are. They want to know what's going on. They're inquisitive. They want to know what's happening. A simple thing such as cray pots with the ropes in the water. I've caught a lot of kingfish around cray, cray pots uh, ropes. Uh, fads that fisheries are putting to play out of Torquay, they're going to work really well because kingfish are just going to hold on them. It's just going to happen. The challenge with those is, though, everyone goes there yeah, and there that's, is boats everywhere. And that's where it comes back to the cray, the cray pots. They can work really well. If you see cray pots in an area where you've caught kingfish, check them out. Run your, your liveys around the, around the back of them, around the front of them. Structure is, a, is also, and this is a bit easier for me because I've done a lot of research in, in my time around my area, but this is where Salt Guide's good because we'll put you on top of these fish pretty much every, each week. There's so many wrecks and pinnacles in the bay right from your place, Pat, right down all the way to Gwaine down in Westerport. Now, I'm only talking locally here just because people are going to be chasing the Melbourne kingfish in the last few weeks, but basically we, we, we're just... we. We're trying to find structure. It's the easiest way to explain it. Yep. We're using our, our electronics that we are fortunate enough to have in our day's fishing, which make life easier. And I'll post a video. Um, I'm not sure if Craig's posted up on the Salt Guide uh, page or not, or if I've posted it. But I check think it. he did during the week. During the week, yep. he posted it up. And what it was is the live scope that I, I've reviewed this a couple of weeks back. And what the live scope is... It's literally like oh, I've got a. I've been going to a few baby scans. You can lately. see it. You can see it live. <laughs> it's it's yeah. literally live. It's like a baby scan. It's like an echo um, going down on my on the old ticker. So that's what it looks like. And you should have seen the kingfish under the boat. Now I know when you mark up fish, you mark up. Oh, is that kingfish? Is that kingfish? You use a live scope. That kingfish. You can pretty much see what they are exactly. And it's why awesome. is that? What are you looking for when you say that? What I'm on the actual unit itself. Yep. So I'm actually looking for the fish swimming around under the boat. Now, what I'm doing is, a lot of the time... Well, obviously, but in terms <laughs> of the way that they move... Like, yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're that, saying. ...that distinguishes them compared to snapper, parrotfish, whatever. The, the live scope in depth, like in the, the picture quality, you can actually see the shape of the kingfish if you look at it. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's it literally looks like kingfish. But not only that, is kingfish do things in the, in in their own way. So you'll learn if you start catching them. When you catch one... They always tail behind the fish and they move up. So when you hook one, you can watch to learn how to do it. Instead of worrying about the fish as such to learn a bit more, watch the live scope and watch how they're moving on it. Or watch your sonar if you don't have it and watch how you actually uh, watch how they actually pattern with the fish that you've got hooked 
or and that's how that you also mark them up. You watch, you'll see, I said before we hooked up, I said, all right, boys, get ready, there's fish here now. I said, yep, they're coming up. And I'm running my baits, we're about 20 metres of water. I was running my boats, baits at 10 metres. These fish were just below the, just on the bottom, just up off the bottom. And they were racing up to my baits. Like I could see them coming and they didn't eat it for probably two or three minutes. But I pissed them off that much that in the end, they <laughs> ate. I just kept going, kept persisting. I had jigs going, jigs going, yep. um, dropping the livers in it. And once I got that one fish to bite, it's game on. Don't let them stop. I spoke about it last week also with the tethering of the fish. I always had a fish left in the water. Yep. It's just so, and you look in, you can see 20 fish behind it, sometimes more. So they're really cool fish to catch. Really, really exciting. Um, and yeah, it's it's probably why Melbourne, I can see why Melbourne go crazy, but following the boats isn't always a good thing. But when someone hooks up, Pat, get close to them. I know last year I hooked. I got hooked a few fish last year that were next to you, and we'll so I, well, we both hooked them. But we'll, we made sure we didn't split the school up. We stayed as close as we could together, and we'll catch them as many as we can because more you excite them, the more they keep eating. I don't know if I saw you get pulled out of this room right now by your mouth, I'd probably go the other way. But these fish <laughs> actually follow the, each other, and they feed aggressively once one feeds. Yep. So that basically is kingfish in a, in a nutshell the bushfire appeal redmond the fishing community coming together we've seen it right around the country millions and millions of dollars raised which has been wonderful to see it shane really, hat went for one thousand one million seven thousand i think it was yep we've really seen that aussie spirit uh coming together to help those in need it, it was it was amazing loss of words pretty much on how good this was they had it down at uh, busted fishing down in carom downs on sunday the fundraiser which was last week and they, uh, they. It's safe to say that it was a massive success. Uh, I am very grateful for what for people donating to pay to come fishing, to donate the money to come fishing with Gwen Blake and myself. One of our trip was over five grand, and the other one was three and a half. And then Gwen, a couple of uh, guides as well. We ended up Salt Guide ended up raising over twelve grand for this. So as a so we'll look impressed. Not I understand people. Uh, will want to go fishing with us, but that's not really the reason they're paying that money. It's not. It's no. not. They're paying the money to help people that are in need right now. Uh, in the end, the whole system that was run by a great bunch of blokes, uh, the Bushfire Fundraiser, made $181,000 plus. So they're still counting. So plus. So $181,000. So well done to everyone who went. I know it was a massive, massive day. It was a huge function down there. And I just want to thank the fishing community to come in together, not just the people that bought the, bought the auction pro items, but the people that ran it, uh, the people that liked it on Facebook, shared it on Facebook, and also people like myself and a few others who got fortunate enough to be in a place to donate something. Uh, and the money to come off it was just bloody awesome. So well done to the community. Beautiful work, Redmond. It's time for the Social Club where we answer your questions from social media. Uh, you can follow us and get in touch with us on our Real Adventures Facebook page. Now, there's a fair amount of uh, yellowtail kingfish-centred questions this morning, Redmond, which is uh, obvious to see given the posts that you'd put out throughout the week. Uh, Dean's first up. Does tide have anything to do with a bite when it comes to kingfish? Yeah, it does, and it uh, basically... What what it, what it does, the tide, I believe, with kingfish is what they look for. So off the back of that moon, and I always talk about for all species of fish, what I really... This is the reason I waited to chase these kings. I might have got a few earlier, but the reason I believe they went nuts was to do with the moon. So as we fell off the back of that moon, the tides were bigger, and kingfish love tide. But they don't, 
but you got to be smart where you're fishing the tide. So I got I was in the ocean, so the tide doesn't run as hard as it does in the rip. So when you're in the rip, it's very hard to fish in the middle of the tide. You can't do it. It's hard, especially on a big outgoing tide. Uh, basically, what were you trying to do on the uh, on the kingfish front around the heads? You're trying to fish the last couple of hours of the tide, maybe hour and a half. Where we where we were fishing in the ocean, you want to fish where the water is starting to move because they stick their heads into it and they start to feed when it when it uh, when they start they start to feed when it starts to run. So they get their heads up in the tide and they start to feed. So the tide for us was, I think it was eight o'clock, smack bang eight o'clock. I'm pretty sure it was uh, on during the week eight and nine, eight and ten. I think it was, and then we got our fish either before the 10 o'clock tide, so it was 8 the, sec- the second day, and the first day it was at 10 o'clock, so it was literally as the tide started to just back off and start to just pick up. So it was on that perfect amount of tide either way. Uh, Beck, it's my husband's 30th birthday coming up. We're looking for a rod and reel. He loves chasing kingfish but never catches them. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> my, my 30th is coming up. Uh, rod and reel, what would you choose if you had unlimited budget and maybe something a little bit less? All right, unlimited budget. I'm going probably the Samurai Extractor. Beautiful rod. A little bit on the pricier side of it. You can get them sort of uh, around that 60-pound right up to the 100-pound. Match with a Stella. You can't beat a Stella. Uh, you could probably match it with a, I don't know, I've had an 18,000 Stella on the one on the week. I think it's a bit overkill. You can back it off a bit. Uh, but if you want to go a bit of budget, which is pretty much nearly all my rods, is the Samurai Osprey, which is what I pretty much caught all my fish on during the week, uh, myself and the boys. And they were in that 20 to 40 pounds. So you can also uh, use it to, to, on the gummies too. So you can kill um, you can kill two. You don't have to buy two rods, basically. You can yep. use the one to cover both. Matched with an 8,000 Saragossa with 50-pound braid. Done. Easy. 80-pound line. 80-pound um, leader for the kingfish. Uh, matched with a nice live bait hook, size 9. That's what I was, 9-0s, that's what I was running during the week. So you're looking at the Osprey, probably around that 300 bucks, 350 bucks, I think. And then the, the Saragossa itself probably, uh, I think they're what are they pat? They're about three hundred fifty bucks, I think as well. Yeah, and great, probably even cheaper at times. Great value for what it is. Oh, they are fantastic. They're a strong reel, and they are, they work a treat. Trent, Aaron, have you stopped fishing for gummy sharks? Funny <laughs> you actually just mentioned it in your in your uh, last question. Uh, have you stopped fishing for them, Redmond? No, I have not stopped fishing for them. Last week, I got I think I got twelve last week, so that was good. Uh, let a lot go. Uh, I think I had a day of what did I get four four. No, four, five, and three. I think something like that. Um, I don't think we've spoken about them on the no, show. No, we haven't for a spoke while. for a while. So, but no, I won't stop fishing for them. The yeah. summer's great time to fish for them. One thing, good thing about summer in the ocean fishing for them, is you don't have the bycatch as you do in winter pat. And you wouldn't believe that if you were fishing in the bay because the banjos are so bad and the jackos are real bad. But in the ocean, the seven gill sharks are nowhere near as bad during the summer as they are during the winter. Seven gill sharks are no good. I'll be straight up and honest with you. The swell sharks, another a cold water shark, they're nowhere near as bad. So I've got a mark out in 60 metres of water that I really like to fish, Pat. And I was fishing uh, during the week in 30 metres last week, and I got no swell sharks. I went out to 60, where obviously the water's colder down the bottom, and got swell sharks. Yep. So that's the water temp side of things. I don't. They don't like sitting in that hotter water. They definitely don't. So what I... What I going to not do is I'm not going to be fishing 60 metres anymore just because they are a pest but coming up into that sort of uh, 
30 metres, even 20, I think I was in 20, 22 one of the days as well. So just find your edge of your drop off either side of it and you'll catch yourself some really, really nice gumbos. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures Facebook page. It's now time for our dream boating destinations. Thanks to Club Marine, ensure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Our dream boating destination this morning is the Glenelg River. You know it well, Redmond. You've been there many times before. Um, It's a bit of a trek but it's well worth it once you get there. Beautiful river. Glenelg, the Nelson, whatever you want to call it. Why is it called the Nelson, the Glenelg? Uh, I'm not actually sure. Look, that's a legit question. I actually don't know. I only thought of that then. So what I tr- how I try to fish this well, place... Well, it's, it's the Hopkins catchment that it... Yeah, attaches to. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So what I'd like to do here is uh, a beautiful place for start. It's this, The scenery there is amazing. You know, nice cliffs and greenery all around. It's a beautiful place to go. But the good thing with it is the place is I go down there during the winter quite often to fish to Portland to chase my barrel tuna. I try and kill two birds with one stone here. I fish the barrels for a couple days, or if I get a blowout, and then I go to the Nelson of a night or into the dark. And the Mulloway you catch there, beautiful Mulloway, metre plus in throughout there, and a lot of numbers in there. Also the brim and also the estuary perch is second to none. So you the brim are that thick. Sometimes you hook... they, They will take... Your squid strip or whatnot for uh for your for your mulloway and they'll take that squid strip the brim of that thick and there's some stonking brim in there they're forty plus centimeters. Is it heavily fished when you've been there before? It wasn't until lately. Yep. It's now getting a few people didn't respect it I guess you could say and flogged it on social media weren't too smart with the way they did. I would have done things a little bit differently but that's each to their own. Yep. But it's I know the locals aren't too happy anymore about the boat traffic that they are getting now. You used to go there and not see a boat. Now you can go in there and see 20 boats. Like it's, yep. And 20 doesn't sound like a lot, but they're taking a lot of mulloway out of there to eat because the mulloway are a beautiful fish. The bigger they are, the better they are to eat. The smaller ones are known as soapies because they taste a bit soapish, yep. where the bigger ones taste definitely better. But how we fish for them is squid strips. If you can get the live mullet up the stream, but honestly, the squid strips work perfectly. Uh, if you've got any fresh slimies or whatever or not, just nice fresh, or even a salmon fillet, that works really well. Uh, for me in there. Uh, like you said, it's a bit of a trek. Uh, so it's in between, I'd like to say it's in between Portland and Port Mac, slightly closer to Port Mac. So it's about 45, 50 minutes from Portland. And Portland's roughly from Melbourne, about three and a half hours from centre, from just Melbourne, basically. So yep. it's a little bit of a hike down there. But how, like I said, how I fish it is I like to fish the the uh, the tuna first linking into a nice river casual river session. A couple of beers and a bit of a barbie on the old bait board out the back there, Patrick, and uh, you can't go wrong. It's, uh, besides, you need 16 beanies. You need those real brown beanies. I need another 16 to sit in there because it gets bloody cold in there. Well, you can go there in the summertime. <laughs> Glenelg, river, river, Glenelg River, our dream boating destination this morning. Club Marine is Australia's leading provider of insurance for boats and jet skis, and now you can win the dream with Club Marine. Club Marine members have the chance to win a share of over $260,000 in prizes, including a Ram 1500 Laramie pickup truck and a Northbank 600C boat and trailer package. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions apply. Call for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. New South Wales permit number LTPS 19 slash 33208. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood.
It's time for Red's tip for New Age Caravans, designed for the road ahead at Redmond. Patrick, the tip this week is going to uh, the people out there want in search of kingfish, and I spoke about uh, a few people at the start at the start of the show about fishing around me and not catching fish. There were a few boats around you. There yep. was three or four boats around me, and they were just yeah, they were caught a few fish, but they a couple of fish. I won't go a few, but not to what we were getting. I think if you're going all to, the, to all the effort in chasing these species of fish, because of the temperament that they have of being bricks, as we've called them. They're a nightmare. They're a nightmare. Sport. Be ready. I understand if you're just shooting out quickly to go have a little bit of a spin, but if you're doing a little bit of traveling or doing whatever you're doing, get ready. Spend the extra time getting your live bait. Are they really the fish just to go out and just... Oh, we'll just target them for an hour and then we head in. Like, are you wasting uh, your time? If you, if you, uh, yeah, you are probably wasting your time. You can shoot out for an hour and fish for them, but like everything's going to go against you. So you, um, you're, what you're I'm, not going to catch them, basically. No, you're pretty much <laughs> not going to catch them. So what I mean, just like we spent the time. Like I said, I didn't get those squid. I worked hard trying to get those squid. Yep. I didn't get them. I went and got the slimies. I would have put thirty or forty in the tank. I'm perfect. I spent the time, put the burly in, waited for them to come, caught them, then went fishing. Yeah. So put the effort in. But not only that, Pat, why the boys were catching the slimies is I got everything ready. So my, my rods were ready, the actual rod, the baited rods, but I didn't have my, my two jig rods ready or my surface caster in case they come up as well, my bungee cast, as you as you love them as your favourite lure. lure. Yep. Yes, so basically what I'm trying to say is just be ready for them. These guys weren't ready. They didn't have live baits. I ended up giving them a few to hopefully help them catch fish. Not only that, they weren't putting their boat in the right spot. I'm drifting down with the tide. They're coming in behind me. Instead of going past me and drifting with me, they're actually jumping in the front of the line, like in front of me. I've got the fish on this side of the boat drifting with me. I'm calling them over. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to get you on the fish. In the end, they got a couple, which was good. But if you're going to make the effort, let's put it into a... Like make the effort to fish for them. Let's make the effort to get the stuff to be prepared for them because, they, like I said, they're not easy to catch all the time. That was Red's tip for New Age Caravans. Take your caravanning experience to the next level. New Age Caravans designed for the road ahead. The flying gaff is a very simple one this morning. It's heading to Ford. Oh, Ford. Unless, I know, I love Ford. Oui. They're a major sponsor of the Cats. But unless they make this happen, they're kidding themselves. We're hearing rumours, Redmond around a V8-powered Ford Ranger Raptor. Now, I love so the So it's Raptor. an excited gaff. It's like just before a kingfish it's, gaff. It's a really excited <laughs> gaff. Um, let's make this happen. A V8-powered Ranger. And you know I'm very much on you know, it, how important the environment is, but how good would a V8 Raptor be? Towing at about two and a half tonnes now. It, a V8, you'd be towing three and a half comfortably. Power off the line, it'd just be... It'd be the ultimate four-wheel drive in Australia. Just because like, Pat Dangerfoot said it, it's going to be a Ford in his next two weeks. The, the promo's down here. <laughs> that's that's sell their asses off. <laughs> Let's make it happen, Ford. All right, thanks for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. It's been a massive episode. It's time to go fishing.